Amen. Well, thankful to be back together in study, even if it is over um, podcast and radio waves. Uh, very thankful to be back and um, just studying God's Word together as a church and as those friends that would join and download this podcast we just appreciate you uh, listening and uh, thankful for another week that God's given and uh, we were thankful on Sunday to begin our study in the book of Colossians Um, very very thankful to be there love the book of Colossians I've greatly enjoyed my study and uh, we just look forward to to sharing that with you uh, some more as we dive deeper into God's word so thankful for that uh, we will finish out the first chapter chapter of Colossians tonight in our study, and we will begin looking in verse number uh, twenty and kind of cover our, uh, kind of where we wrapped up on Sunday evening. And uh, when I actually post these messages, we'll post um, the first part of that message uh, along with the second part here. And uh, just just really excited for uh, for this this word to get uh, out there and excited for this study together. We'll pray, and then we'll read our verses and uh, study just a few verses of Scripture together. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for all of your blessings. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. God, you're too good to us. You give us more than we deserve, Lord. And we know as we study this uh, wonderful chapter of your word together, God, that there, the truth lies therein. We know that it was all inspired God, it's infallible and it's an errant word, God, that we just, we can't find anything in it that's not um, holy and pure and godly. Lord, we just thank you for that promise that, that we have um, in your word and the truth um, that lies there. We pray that you bless us each and every one. God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. Lord, I pray that we might be people that are reflections of you and your son Jesus and who he is. Lord, he died upon the cross of Calvary for us that we might be saved. God, we just pray tonight that you would bless those that uh, worship together, God, in person, by uh, radio or podcast, whatever it may be. Lord, we just pray that you bless them. God, fill them with your spirit. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for this word. And Lord, as we break this bread together, wherever our folks may be that will listen, God, we pray that you bless them. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm thankful to be here in the Lord's uh, timing uh, for me. It's been such a day uh, in, in just all that's going on, and, and it's reminded me in this study that it's in his timing that we do what we do, and he gives us this word according to his will. He knew I needed this today, and as I have studied this scripture, uh, we wrapped up in our preaching on Sunday, we wrapped up in the book of Colossians with verse number 21, um, and we'll go back and we'll just read verse number 20, and I'll share with you the last few thoughts I had in this first chapter. The Bible says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him. I said, or I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet yet now hath he reconciled. We looked at Christ first and foremost as our our creator, 
or as our Father, rather, excuse me. We looked at Christ our Father, and then we looked at Christ our Creator in our study. And then we were wrapping up in this first chapter, and we saw Christ our Redeemer. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that He is my Redeemer. He is the only one that has the power to redeem, to seek, and to save that which is lost. And He has done that, and He has made Himself known to be true and honest and good through that. And he has redeemed us and saved us, not only from just this world, but God, we know that, Lord, we know that it's all more than just this world, but the eternal grave that we will face one day. He has redeemed us from that. We don't have to die and go to hell. We have the ability, if we know him, if we confess to him, if we become part of his family, that gives us the opportunity to be a part of a group that will never die. We are part of a group that will eternally be with him in heaven. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for Jesus, our Redeemer. And we see some attributes that's given here as Paul is teaching uh, the, this Colossian church. He's showing Jesus the peacemaker in those first couple of verses. And how we see that as he says there in verse 20, no, 21, as you and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. He does the reconciliation. He makes peace and he makes things right in the world. Verse 22, it says, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, wherefore I, Paul, am made a minister. And so we see there, I'm going to go back to verse 22 for just a moment. We've seen Jesus, the peacemaker. He makes all things in the world right according to his will. He is the one who settles accounts and he settles scores because he is God. That is who he is. Jesus has the ability to be the peacemaker because he conquered death, hell, and the grave for you and I. And so in verse 22, we see here, it, it expands upon this truth. It says, In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So not only is he our peacemaker, he's our purifier. And I was thinking about that on my way home from, from work today, and I was considering what that means, is Jesus as our purifier. And I'm thankful that we have a king and a savior that purifies us. I'm thankful that our Lord is a purifying agent to me in my wicked flesh. It is my flesh that keeps me uh, from being holy and pure. It is my flesh that causes me to need a purifier in my life. I was thinking about how uh, that, <clears throat> that, that just even in the world we live in, uh, places you would go to probably maybe even 20, 30, 40 years ago, you would go to and you wouldn't even think twice about drinking the water. Uh, you, 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 nowadays, 
you wouldn't drink water out of hardly there ain't many springs you would go drink water out of um, because it needs purification um, and that's just that's nature that's what the world will do to you as a Christian is it it causes you to go deeper and deeper in in and in, in, into sin and, and and just this flesh hanging on to the things of this world it causes us to need to be more purified but thankfully it is declared that our Savior, he is, uh, he is there and he is presenting us holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. In essence, it is him and his blood that washes away the things that put us at, at, at odds with our Father, with God the Father. It is God the Son who rinses us and cleanses us and purifies us through his holy blood he shed upon the cross of Calvary that allows us to be presented pure and holy to his Father. And that is needed. That is a necessity. In the world we live in today, the issue that we're seeing, especially in the church, is the turning away from purification. We are seeing less and less of a desire to be purified, probably more so than we've ever seen, uh, especially in our day, because we're living in a day where uh, stuff that wasn't, that just wasn't heard of, wasn't acceptable 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, has made its way behind the pulpits of churches, into leadership in churches, behind microphones and behind pews and behind uh, uh, church hymnals and, 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 and instruments and, and behind Bibles in churches. There are some people that need purification. There are some people that need cleaned up by the Lord. And they're scared of the blood. They're, they're scared of the purification. Uh, people shy away and they stray away from from preaching on the blood shed by Jesus. They they stray, stray away from say at singing the old song, "Are you washed in the blood?" Because that doesn't sit well with the world. As wicked and vile and evil as a lot of the stuff that's put out there for the world to consume, they're scared to hear about being washed by Jesus' blood. They they are afraid to think about that. And more than than than. Uh, the world can understand, and quicker they can consume all this mess that gets put out there. It's just it's it seems like it's just this misunderstanding of churches thinking that well we've got to take out the blood, we've got to take out the cross, we've got to th- take out Jesus' death. We don't want to to put any da- anybody down or make anybody feel a little down in the dumps because you know what this world is difficult and they're already experiencing difficulty in their lives in their jobs and 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 what they're doing uh, they're they're already having a hard time and and I I don't think we need to add any more to that. And this is the kind of mindsets that's creeping into the church. And as these types of things creep in and they take control and they gain power in the church and these mindsets become more acceptable, what happens is we take away the emphasis of purity and we take away the need for purification. We take away the uh, the reality of purification by taking away the blood of Jesus. It, it's only by his blood and it's only by his power that, and it's only by his reconciliation as our peacemaker that we are able to be presented holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. It requires that purification. It requires that touch. And it hasn't changed. 
And it's not going to change for as long as time can tick on, it will never change. We always need purified. We're always going to need Jesus. We're always going to need him to wash us and cleanse us. And anybody selling anything different, I don't believe they truly know him. You can't know Jesus without understanding purification. And that's what Paul, Paul is in essence sharing here. Jesus is the purifier. He does present us holy. He presents us unblameable and unreprovable, not because of who we are, but because of who he is and what he accomplished by getting up and walking out of the grave. That is Jesus, our purifier. And it goes on here, and we'll begin reading in verse 23 on down through the end of the chapter. It says, if you can, uh, if the body in the body of the, of his flesh through death to present you, excuse me, read the wrong, sorry, the wrong verse, the same verse we were just talking about. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I am Paul, I, Paul, am made a minister. And so Jesus is not only our peacemaker, Jesus is not only the purifier, but Jesus the purpose of our lives. Jesus the purpose of our lives. He says, I'm going to read it again. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made and made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. In essence, Paul is sharing his purpose in his life. And thankfully, God shares with us a purpose. We have a purpose here. We are not just born into this, into this world just to live a meager life, to just make it day by day, make our payments, do our things, buy what we want, live where we want, say what we want, do what we want, and then die and go to heaven. That is not the type of life that we are called to live as Christians. As Paul is saying, he's being, he's made essentially, a, he is made a minister. Uh, he is a, an established servant of the Lord. And he says he's made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. In essence, what he's saying is he's been given a commission. He has been called and he's been given a purpose according to what God what God has put in his heart. And not only has, has he just been called and given a purpose, his purpose has been to fulfill the word of God. And I believe what he's saying is, is that he is being called and commissioned to preach and to teach the word, to see people grown in, in the word, and to serve in his life as the sole purpose of his existence and his being is to serve and to live for God, sharing his word with people that need to hear, growing and reconciling Christians that are astray, and helping to build up the eternal kingdom of Jesus. Jesus is the purpose of this world. Uh, we, I hear all the time, I was thinking about this today, and, and I was considering how uh, at, at Christmas time you hear people say Jesus is the reason for the season. And, you know, that's always kind of bothered me that people say that. And I, and I really, it really struck me today what I think about it. The reason I don't like that is because Jesus is the reason for every season. 
He's the reason for every day. When the sun comes up, Jesus is the reason. When the sun goes down, Jesus is the reason. When you wake up in the morning, that's Jesus. When you get out, you get up, and you have safety going to work, that's Jesus. When, when your time comes and you die, Jesus is the reason. Every piece, every bit of existence, everything that goes on under the sun, Jesus is the reason. He is the purpose of everything. He allows everything. He says what happens, and he says what goes on. And those that turn away from him, they're just rejecting the purpose of our universe, the purpose of our world. All they're doing is turning away from the reason for every season. Jesus is the purpose. It goes on and it says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, wanting every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. In essence, our endeavors and Paul's endeavors is to help to, to be here and to purify, to be here to, to teach and to preach the gospel that people that would hear that by those means can grow closer to, to God. And, and what it's saying there when it says, um, when it say, says that, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, not, it's not meaning in, in actual perfection, in actual I've never sinned, I've never done anything wrong, but to be presented perfect in this essence is meaning to be complete. That is meaning to, to, to be like Christ, to be endeavoring like Christ, to be growing in Christ, to be serving God. That is what, what Paul's desire here, and through that purpose that's given by Christ, that purpose that God has allowed in your life and my life, that is what is taking place. In essence, we are being completed in Christ. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. I was thinking about that and to consider that and think about what that means. I thought about this. It's it's addictive almost when you serve God. It's almost something that when you serve him and you live for him, prayer becomes something that you want more of. Uh, Bible study is something that you want more of. Time with him and time with his people is something that will it, it will grow. You'll want more of it. You'll want more of it. You'll desire that relationship more and more as you as you go through your walk. And as you consider what that means to labor, striving according to his working, he has a will and he has a purpose for you in your life. As you walk and you serve him, it is important that you strive according to his work. He's the purpose. He is the reason for every day, Every month, every year, every season, every minute, every moment that passes by, he's the reason. We should be laboring, striving according to his work, being about his business. And I like what he says there at the end, which worketh in me mightily. I'm afraid there's an issue in church in so many ways 
Jesus is not the peacemaker for many people. He's not their savior. They won't allow him to purify them. He won't allow them to work in their lives. They won't, they won't allow. They don't want God purifying them. They don't want God making peace for them. But many people certainly have not settled that he is their purpose. He says, which worketh in me mightily. If everybody got up one day of the week, just if every Christian got up on one day of the week and said, you know what, God, this is your day. This is your moment. I am relinquishing the reins. It's his anyway, to be honest with you. But if we just gave up this little bit of power we think we have and we said, God, this is your day. I'm here to serve you. I'm your servant. I am here presenting myself as a holy sacrifice to you. You are the purpose. You're the reason. I'm giving this day to you. It would change the world. We need to be laboring. We need to be working. He's coming back. And if we just for one moment, if we just for a second said, God, I'm giving you this day, and we abided by that, it would change everything. I believe we could see reconciliation, reconciliation in our country. I believe we could see reconciliation across the globe. I think that if, if people would just say, Jesus, you are the purpose. Purify me. Make peace in me. You're the purpose, and I'm going to live for you. It could transform so much. You say, well, I go to church on Sunday. I, go to, I do this. I carry my Bible. That, that stuff, it doesn't matter. If you're not purposed in him and for him and for his service. I pray that you can settle in your heart and in your life. Lord, you're the purpose. You're the purifier. You're the peacemaker. I want to be about your business. I want to strive according to your working. And I want you to work in me mightily. We have too much to lose. We, didn't, we have way too much to lose. To spin our wheels, running around with just discontentment, disheartened, beat down, trodden over by the world. When we have a Savior like the Lord Jesus, we, the, 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 the man that died upon the cross of Calvary, God made man died upon the cross of Calvary on behalf of you and me. He came down here. He made himself low that we might be saved. What a humbling thought to think about the creator of the universe would come down, humble himself, die a horrible death for you and me. But he got up and he walked out of the grave. He is the purpose of our very existence. And we can walk through our lives and not believe it. We can avoid it. We can 
try to put it to the wayside, but he is the purpose in our lives. I pray, I pray, I pray that you can settle that he is the purpose in your life.